Hi, welcome to the Franchise Radio Show. Brian here. Great to have you along as always for our regular listeners. Nice to have you here again. And for newcomers, you're welcome to search us on any of the podcast platforms. You'll find there's 150 different podcasts and a whole range of things of varying interest. Depends where you are on your business, your franchise, or indeed your personal journey. So uh, today, the topic that we have for you is your essential business strategies for achieving growth. And I've been very fortunate to have bumped into Don Collins, a partner at Findex, the advisor and account services group got 110 offices across australia and new zealand and don is someone it's not easy to pinhole him but i did and we've got him here today don um, is a partner at findex he's got a wealth of experience in providing taxation commercial advice to businesses across all sizes that's what i really like across a wide range of industries uh, he specializes particularly he tells me in the design and Im- implementation of practical strategic plans to encourage business growth and deliver direct lasting benefits to his clients and who's not looking for that if you're in business. So, Don, welcome to the radio show. Love to have you here today. Hi, Brian. Thank you for uh, inviting me along and uh, uh, joining in with your subscribers. And, and thank you for that introduction as well. All sounds very technical, but basically, I'm a chartered accountant with 25 years plus experience dealing with family-owned businesses, including uh, a number in franchise industries as well. So, more than happy to come along and, and talk to the topic today. Um, so, look forward to getting into more detail. Indeed. So, look, let's pose some questions to you. Let's see where we go on this rabbit hole are allowed. Yep. So let's put this proposition that in one of our listeners, you started in business and the comment really, I suppose, is that we hear from time to time and so easily forget is, you know, you need to begin with the end in mind. Yeah. It's like your 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 feedback, your observations on talking to that, Don. Great, great, great starting question, Brian, because you know, there are various reasons why people go into business and, and I think it's really important from the outset that they be very clear about those reasons. And and like all things, it's not, you know, I've started, therefore what do I do? It's, it's like anything Think I've got to aim with what the outcome should be at the end. So it's great that you use those words, begin with the end in mind. You need to be clear with the vision and the purpose. Because quite often we find people go into businesses for different reasons. And I've found, for example, with franchisees and even franchisors, the very first reason they've gone into a business is they've just left a job. They've had a package. They've decided I don't want to be an employee, but I need to do something. So I go find myself a job. And that in itself isn't a great purpose by itself. Because ultimately, you've made a decision, but haven't actually explored fully what it is that you want to get out of it at the end of the day. So I've got this first sort of group of people, and I've just bought myself a job. The second group I have for people is I want a lifestyle. I hear running a business is a great thing to have. I've got all this time but ultimately am I really in it for the business itself and that's why I go I have lifestyle owners people who go I've bought this business I've got all this great extra time but it's just great to have but it may not necessarily be the right reasons for being in business itself then I get to this uh, third group of people who are actually in it for the right reasons and that is I bought a bit into a business to build it to create value to employ people to have a purpose and with those people they're the ones that we really have to say to you right you've gone in you've bought this business or set it up or you've created this environment what is it you want to achieve what is it you want to get out of it at the end so it's great that you're going in for the right reasons it's though coming back to begin with that end in mind because ultimately you can lose value or more things come along that you haven't prepared yourself for or realized should occur so when i hear those words begin with the end in mind and you've started business you've actually got to sit there and go well why is it i'm here and those three groups quite often come up as different themes as to why people are in business so i just sort of wanted to share that to begin with in response to your question you know thank 
thanks for that. And you, you're, pre- you're interested to hear that range of different, I suppose, entry points uh, that people have into businesses. It's all too true. Yeah, absolutely is. And as I said, purpose is really important because what you get out of it is what you get put into it ultimately. Those first two groups, I bought myself a job and a lifestyle, ultimately don't succeed if their first view was I wanted to get something with the business. Because ultimately, if I bought it just for a job, then I'm just worried about a certain level of turnover or a certain level of size of business. But that may not be anything other than what I was doing before, i.e. earning enough to have a salary to pay my you know, living expenses, family, home, etc. The lifestyle is the same as well. The lifestyle approach says that, again, I'm happy to be involved, run a business, but I'm not ultimately serious about it because I'm really happy for it to support my social life or my lifestyle or the other reasons why I have the business, but not necessarily for the true reason of running that business. So those things, when you look at those first two groups, they sort of get a little bit lost along the way when you look at the true purpose of being in business and getting the right outcomes out of the business. So ultimately, it is about an investment of time and money and you could be doing other things. So when you begin with the end in mind, you know, I ask this question, what is your final goal? So you've started in business, but when you've started, what is that final goal? What do you want to do at the end? Are you looking to sell something? So you've bought something and yes, I will want to sell it at the end. And in doing so, am I going to maintain value or am I creating value? Just sell something, it's got to be of value at the end of the day. And if all I've done is bought myself a job and I've had a lifestyle business, I may not actually be able to have something that's saleable at the end of the day. So it's important to understand that from the outset. Why is it that I have I gone into business? If my goal is though is succession, i.e. I want to buy this business, I want the family involved, I want to transfer the wealth to the next generation or have other family members involved and just get them all along, then you need to be clear about that from the outset as well because those people will be part of your journey and that's a whole part by itself. But if that's your purpose to begin with, you've got to be clear about what that means at the end. And the other reason might be your goal might be is I want to build something really large as a franchisor and I want to sell it. So I want to induce equity, other stakeholders. So if that's my goal, that's a different path to succession goal. And that's a different path to sell goal. Because what you're aiming to achieve, what you're looking to build, what is it that will the business will look like, will all depend on that final goal as well. And whether you get there or not, so I'd obviously another thing. But having those sorts of things in mind is really important to understand from the outset as well. That makes absolute sense. So when we look into that, and I'm perhaps at this point, we might focus more on when you're starting into that business, whether you whether you've bought it, whether you're buying a job, whether you've got big yep. ambitions or whatever. I suppose also it's taking into account, you know, what people don't often have is an understanding of business and the yes. fact that there is a legal structure around it. Could you you add a little bit about that for us, please? Yeah, that's this is an area that we quite often see people aren't sure about what it is that they've actually got themselves into or what it is that the operating structure, business and legal actually looks like because I've started my business and I've you know I've got an advisor who said, oh, you should buy this business and it should be in the company. And you go, great, oh, I'm running this business and I can you know access the cash in the company for my own purpose because I need to pull money out or I need to use that money in another way. Now, actually understanding the structure that owns the business, that operates the business, that you access the profits out of, the legal taxation implications of those things is really important to understand because your accountant says, oh, you should have this in the company or you'll go, but why, you know, my brother's got a family trust. Why shouldn't I use a family trust? And your accountant goes, well, there are different reasons for a family trust to a company because, you know, a company pays tax at a particular level by itself and it pays dividends out and decisions are made by shares and shareholders and directors. And trusts have different things about them because it's a different document because a a trust is, is governed by trust law and trust deeds and there's profits need distributing. And they all sort of sound the same. But technically,
basically, those two entities are much different. Um, they're different from a tax perspective. They're different from a legal perspective. They're even different, di- different from a banking finance perspective. It's when you go talk to banks and they want to understand who's behind the company, they'll ask a lot of different questions to if a trust is involved. And we actually find in the current environment that banks are asking a lot more uh, probity questions, identity questions, than they would have historically. And all of a sudden, you get stuck on financing a car because you had some other family member who's involved in a trust, in your trust, that the bank wants to know about. And you go, why is it they need to know about it? And understanding what those things are in the first place and why you go using those entities becomes really important. And it's important compared to if you're an individual or a partnership because legal liability changes all of a sudden. And if it's about liability protection, then you may not you know, set yourself up as a partnership or, or as an individual, but using something else. And that becomes important to our, your first question. Why do we go in business and begin with the end in mind? Because the structure you use is not just from the start. It's during the whole period of ownership. It's part of how I exit because each entity gives you a different outcome. It will also depend on whether you succeed in your business, whether you introduce a stakeholder because there's no sense using a trust if I'm going to want to introduce an equity holder down the track who's not related to me because that's the wrong entity. I should be in the company. So it's really important not only from the outset of why I'm in business but what structure I use because that has a number of implications down the track and getting it right is important now. You're doing it so now also based on current laws and laws change in time. I think about uh, we started with capital gains tax in 1985 and what those rules look like then and what private companies look like then and trusts look like then as well and what they look like now. And our view about what you start with as an entity may have changed based on the business and we have to evolve and be agile and change. And it might mean a company was a good idea at one point, now it's not based on the business, the trust is better or vice versa. So it's really important to get those things right, but also have an advisor to, you know, be there along the way to make sure you're going in the right direction with your entity as it currently stands and also where you want it to go as well. Yeah, I guess because uh, having flexibility moving forward, as you say, if you haven't had the right sort of advice, and I guess there the point is, there's lots of people who will give you advice, including, you know, Jeffrey next door, the retired solicitor, and you're no doubt one of your aunts or uncles or father-in-law. So the point is there that uh, this is a point where actually when you're investing in your business, you're getting, you're putting in capital, you're buying stock perhaps, you're getting premises, you're getting vehicles, just as much of the of the importance in the investment is actually investing and getting the right advice. This is so easy. You see, most people just skate into business, they get a proprietary limited company off the shelf, and then suddenly they realize, I want to do this and that. So yeah. f- from that point of view, it's important to get the right advice. How does somebody in that situation just getting started or or maybe just been running the business for a while and listening to this and saying, actually, I, maybe I should do some homework before it's too late. You know, how, how do you think you should identify the sort of person you need to speak to from that point? Yeah, so talking to a number of different people and different types of people are important. <laughs> it's part of your planning from the outset because, again, when you go into something, it's not just a matter of, I'll dive into this, I'll figure it out as I go along. Because once you start, it becomes harder to unwind. So talking to a good accountant, good solicitor, talking to other people who may have been in a similar business. So when you think about uh, franchisors and franchisees, there may already be people operating in that industry. So can I be introduced or meet with them or talk with them to understand why is it they've undertaken certain things? So it, it's having the right network of people around you to understand early on the right structure, the right approach, etc. Because as I said, once you start down a path, it, it's a little bit harder to undo some things. If you get it early enough, it can be possible, but there may be t- 
tax issues that you have to unwind or pay for unnecessarily. And we're not just talking income tax. Stamp duty is a big issue that can arise. Once you've started somewhere, you know, you're sort of set a little bit and to unwind or change requires the right sort of person to sit down and look at everything. So to begin with, there's a sort of like a shopping list of people that you'd want to have to talk with before you go through and, and that due diligence phase. So again, going into business is not just something you should do at a whim. And if I think of going into franchises, I'm looking through a franchise agreement, I'm looking through other aspects of the business. Before you even finalise signing any of that or determining it, is talking with legal and accounting advisors to make sure you've got that structure set up right and it's appropriate for your needs, not just now, but going forward as well. I suppose, you know, this, all these things suddenly start to get quite complicated. And if you haven't got a background, you haven't got the professional qualifications, as most people in business don't necessarily, then there are things you've got to, you, you got to really get a good understanding of to make sure you do them. And obviously, you, they're not decisions you can make on your own. No. So I suppose so one, one thing is... Things, sorry, I was sorry, going to add, add to that. I was going to add to that, Brian, that quite often people go into business with a number of years of experience in mind, but often in other areas and fields, and which is great. And it might be supportive of what you're going into. But you then have to work out what are the things I want to be doing and focusing on involved and can do? And what are the mm-hmm. other things of my business that I'll need someone else's support assistance on? It? And we're not just talking running. It can be running the business itself. It might be the management side of things. It might be legal, financial. It might be banking. This HR is another area as well. It's got all these different parts of a business. And as a business owner, you're quite correct, it's quite complex and a lot to think about. But ultimately, what are those things that I'm really good at and I will deal with? And what are the things I then have to have other people involved in? And that might be similar to a lot of people, but there might be some other business owners who go, yeah, there's five of those things I'm doing two at night. Well, another business owner will go, I'm really only good at three of them. Having a, a bit of a you know a look at yourself and gaining knowledge and experience and understanding is really important. Going back to our sort of three models of people in business, those who just want a job or a lifestyle tend not to focus on a lot of those things. The person who's just bought the job, in essence, if they don't talk to the right people, get themselves in a bit of strife because they end up with something that they didn't realize they'd started with. So that complexity you refer to, it's just part of running a business. But as I said, it depends on what things you really want to, you know, what things you want to focus on. I suppose one thing we hear about, you know, and I suppose a lot of people ignore, <laughs> is the fact, you know, the question about what is the importance of understanding your numbers and, and why is that so important, Don? So it's like this, and, and let's just take the example. I'm going to buy a particular business and I'm going to, it's going to cost me half a million dollars. You know, it's a, a franchise arrangement. Now, at that point in time, you've got some choices to make. Um, and even before you bought it, you could take that half a million dollars, invest it in the bank and earn you know, bank investment rates. Or I could talk to a financial advisor and take that half a million dollars and you give me a lovely managed portfolio. And both of those have risk and return to them. Or, or in this case, I've taken my half a million dollars and I've bought a business. It has a greater risk and therefore you want, want a greater return compared to those other options. Knowing your numbers becomes really important to make sure you achieve the return that you should be getting or think you should be getting for your investor. Just from a basic perspective, why I need to know my numbers? Well, if I took that half a million dollars and invested in equities and someone said you get you know, 8% capital return you know, and you go, well, I'm in my business, I should have a minimum of 8% capital return because my decision could have been something different. So I want, I'm buying the business, I need to know my numbers. And by the way, as the business owner, you're driving the strategy, the culture of the business itself. And therefore the numbers as an outcome is determined by you as a business owner. But to be, so you go, what are those numbers that I need to know about? And some of those things are what you'd expect they are. They're, they're sales, they're turnovers. But when we say sales and turnover, we're not just talking numbers on a page. We start getting to like units or individual amounts coming through a door. And if I think of, you know, a client who runs a high shop or something like that, what is it? What are the numbers of 
sales I have to make in a day to pay the rent, to open the doors, to make my break-even point? What are the trends that are occurring in the business? So numbers again, not just today, next week, next month, what, what happens week on week, month on month, year on year. We've just gone through short weeks, public holidays, etc. In some businesses, their turnover is really high in those sorts of times of the year compared to others. Whether other businesses will go, no, that's not great for us, but another time of the year gives us a better turnover. Knowing what those numbers look like become really important just to understand what those numbers are. And I touched on break-even. Gross profit margin is a concept where we talk about the, the return on sales or, or, or income itself before overheads. Really important to understand not just, again, as a broad concept, but when we go item by item, area by area, what is that return looking like? Because all of these go to return on investment. The other numbers I start looking at is things like productivity of staff, um, numbers of people employed, because they're a cost that relates to the business. And I've got what I'd call variable costs of people and overhead costs of people. And knowing the balance of, if I think about, if I had spent $100,000 on employment, labor, what percentage should be on variable cost selling items and making return? And what is the percentage that is supporting the business from an administrative overhead perspective? Knowing the breakdown of those two becomes important because you could end up with a business that's too much alarm you know, too heavy on one area, not another. Don't have enough salespeople to make the sales because they've got too much in overhead or vice versa. They both support each other. But there is a bit of a, you know, rule of thumb that you could work towards. But knowing what those numbers are is really important. And the other sorts of numbers, especially in retail, is uh, floor space, return on cost of rent, et cetera. Because again, I've got them, that's a cost of running the business and it's a return I've got to get through sales. But when we start talking about those numbers, you need to keep your finger on the pulse about where those numbers come from and having reporting systems in place that monitor and you can then manage and then take action. So when we start talking about numbers, we start asking about cash flow forecasts and budgets and those sorts of things are just not across the business, but in different areas, the business ones, and there's also personal ones. Because when we talk about budgets and your numbers, you as a business owner touch on we want to return, but we've also got our own personal living and costs to pay for as well. And that sort of is your starting point to go, well, how much do I have to get out of this business to pay for my own living? So having a personal budget, it's really important to all of this as well. And then we've started looking at other numbers and what if analysis is a really big thing. So what would happen if I had to raise the price of my goods? Or what happens if I tweak my sales in an area by a certain number? What is the impact of that? And because right now, I've got price pressures. I might have power as a cost in my business. So that's going to go up. What do I have to do elsewhere in the business to maintain my return or achieve a better return? The other one, again, in, in retail businesses is stock turnovers is a really important number to keep track of as well. So there's a lot of things that I've touched on mm. there and I haven't even touched on things like what I call start talking about ratio analysis and having <laughs> the right balance in the balance sheet. You know, as an accountant, you've, you've touched on an area where I go, oh, let's talk about numbers and all those things. <laughs> <laughs> things and accounts go, this sounds like fun. For business owners, they're just really important things to know and, and keep in mind. And having a system in place that you can then gain access to them, track them, monitor them, see how I'm going in a very reasonable time frame. having the people and processes in place to support all those things. So numbers are really important. Yeah, no, I guess as well, at any stage in business, whether you're putting projections together before you start or whether you're assessing a business you're going to buy or whether yep. you've got a business and you're looking to franchise and you're saying, okay, what should I be taking into account? Because a lot of those costs 
and revenues are going to be changing. So, yep. uh, and I guess as well, there's, there's never a time when it isn't right to have a look at that because a lot of businesses have matured and grown from their early sort of embryonic stages where it didn't seem necessary or even didn't seem relevant to look at a lot yeah. of these ratios and so forth. But looking in retrospect, I guess, would it be right that there's never a, a wrong time to say, hang on, let's have a look at my business. It's five years old. I've got 10 franchisees. Should we having a look? What, what should I be doing to look just to secure my future and that yep. of my franchisees. What's your observation on that, Don? So setting uh, forecasts and budgets are not a set and forget. Um, so that's the first thing. They're, they're evolving. They're dynamic. Uh, I think of this time of the year, for example, in businesses for the next 12 months, you should really be sitting there looking at what is the re- revenue turnover budget costs of those businesses, um, whether they're as franchise or, or the franchisee itself. And then there's a monitoring of an outcome as you go along. Now, you touch on the point about a business you know, five years down the track. Again, the business environment has changed and we can't take our finger off the pole and keep the eye on the ball, et cetera, because what happens is those numbers change, the environment changes, the costs change. So we think about, I think of at the moment in CBD locations and if I think of retail food businesses, at the moment, a lot of office workers no longer work in office buildings. And as such, the patronage of those people to those businesses is not the same. So if I bought a business based on a certain turnover and certain cost structure, has that environment changed? Because quite obviously, if I think of COVID as an example, quite obviously, over the last couple of years, every business needs to re-examine its turnover and its cost structure because not only is the way the business is operated changed, but the patronage has changed. Technology is another factor that you throw into that. So to maintain my investment and to maintain my return going forward, there are things that you continually need to evaluate and review. And numbers is the bottom you know, factor of all of those things. And understanding how those numbers interact with each other um, is really important. The relationship between cost to turnover, between a balance sheet on like inventory and you know, how many times it turns over and what does that mean if it turns over more as opposed to less? Really important things to understand. Yeah, and I guess as well, you know, you just mentioned about technology, the profusion of various apps in the last five years has been amazing. And so things that would have been very laborious to withdrawn KPIs on particular elements of your business performance can now be there on a dashboard. You can see them just by clicking a switch. There's there's a couple of aspects to that because tools and apps are replacing your ability to just pull data together. So to look at a business and go, here's a cost structure because that involves an admin person pulling numbers together out of you know an accounting software is replaced by apps that feed that data in. You still need to make sure the data's right, but what it may end up doing is enabling someone not to build the data, but to analyze the data in the first place. Mm. And that then drives those outcomes on the numbers. So apps have done a lot of things in that respect um, and it will help drive business efficiency. And the other thing we're seeing though, and it's getting into this AI, chat GPT space is it will start replacing the people who are actually doing the work because I can all of a sudden if I have the understanding of technology write something that will actually do the work and get it to me much better and quicker and from what that will do is increase productivity and therefore reduce my costs but maybe have a better output now that has its own dynamic going forward so you go for some businesses who are planning going forward they actually have to start looking over the horizon and going what's coming that's going to impact my cost structure, my revenue, my turnover, et cetera. And if it's a space of AI, then that's something that's going to impact their businesses, their costs, and the return as well. 
you know, I suspect a large proportion of our listeners, irrespective of where they are on their business journey, would be familiar with Michael E. Gerber and his very famous book, The E-Myth Revisited. And yes. uh, the, the focus of that, of course, uh, that he goes on about is the fact that it's important to work on your business and not in your business. What, what's your observations from that point yeah. of view, Don, from where you sit in a very privileged position to see to see, see this happening and not happening in reality? It's a real fine line because ultimately, the businesses that succeed are the owners who are able to get above the tree, above the forest, and be able to uh, see what's occurring. And that's working on the business in a very conceptual piece because the business owner has to be setting the strategy, the tone of where they want to be. We talk about where do you want to be in one year, three, five years, and all these sorts of things. And that's all about planning and strategy. The owner needs to give themselves that time to sit down and uh, analyze what's occurring there. Now, what where they need to be in 12 months, two years, etc. They need to think about, they need to make decisions based upon what they have now and what's in front of them. If they are continuously involved in the doing of the business, so if they're continually on the shop floor, if they're continually out delivering the service, if they're doing those things and not allowing them the time, then they're actually not seeing what's occurring, what's coming up. And they're also not getting return on their time and they're not spending their time in the right way. Because as a business owner coming back earlier to the point about I've invested money, my return is risk of the business and the return on the business. Now, that's not the time I spend in doing, that's the return I get on running it. And so it's really important that I allow myself the time to be spending on the business all the things I need to get right as opposed to doing the business itself. I might feel I'm, I'm the best person to do that piece of job but ultimately if that job can be done by someone else as well and they're had to be paid a salary and I can still get the leverage out of them in the return of my business then I should be employing someone and my time is spent on other aspects in the business itself. So when you look at that E-Myth book and Gerber etc you know, working on the business is really important. It's, it's about taking the time it's about the planning. Um, it's actually looking forward as well. So I absolutely agree with that whole concept. Look, and anyone listening, if you're not familiar with Michael E. Gerber and the E-Myth Revisited, it's almost in almost every library I've ever been into in a hard copy format. It, is, it has been voted regularly the most influential business book ever written, despite the fact it was written several decades ago now. I was talking to Michael Gerber about three or four years ago on his 80th birthday. We interviewed him. And uh, he's still got the same energy and passion. But I suggest anybody is worth having, number one, refresh that book, have a look through it again to remind yourself about these principles. Because uh, I speak to so many people here at Franchise Simply who want to grow their business. They don't realize that, you know, you haven't got a dog's chance if you're not systemized and you haven't got it documented. And uh, yep. that's the Bible. That's the Bible of Michael Gerber. I, I call him the grandfather of franchising in many respects. So, But of course, part of this is all down to planning. And yes. from that point of view, what do you look at from a point of view of planning, you know, again, to a business that's maturing or aiming or got ambitions, what should you be looking at from a point of view of periodical planning and predictions of, you know, of, of figures and so forth? So, so you talk about mature business planning. I sort of almost come back and, and it's funny you talk about Reed Gerber and, and revisit what he what was said. Um, a plan is not is something you set from the outset, but and we'd like to keep our plans simple to begin with clients is um, we use the word plan on a page. And a plan 
brand on a page is a concept where you establish your values and your purpose, your why. And it's really important. We would talk about when people go into business, why do they go into business? And this whole concept of planning commences at that point. And you don't, if, if you started a business and you haven't done this sort of approach, it doesn't mean you can't go back. You absolutely can because what you end up doing is redefining some of these concepts to where you are right now. So if we think about our approach, the why is it? You know, what is your value? What's your purpose? Why are you in business? Um, this becomes an overarching concept because it drives outcomes and, and, and where you want to be. Because what goes with your why is your what. What are your targets and goals? And if you use this other acronym, you would have heard a BHAG. For those who don't know what a BHAG is, a big, hairy, audacious goal. And your target or goal, you need to be very high level of what your, that is. And it might be it might be just you're after a number, a numeric number, a turnover, a value, etc. Or it might be your goal is a certain type of business, i.e. you want to be in a different, in a particular industry. You know, if I think about Nike in the sporting clothing, you want to be the Nike version in the industry you're in. So that's your target or goal. Or you might be, I want to be, I want to take 10% of the competition in this market. I, you know, there's a whole lot of players here and I reckon we can achieve a certain percentage and that would be great. So that might be your target goal. Or it might be you realize in an industry, it's that fragmented, it requires transformation. So we want to be the innovator of this industry these the what's and the targets and goals all drive your plan to begin with because you then take that plan work out your strengths you do a SWOT analysis your strengths weaknesses opportunities and threats around all of this and then you set your target for the first 12 months the first three years the next five years and your first 12 months again you've gone back and gone if in five years time we want to be the second biggest competitor in this market what is it we have to achieve in three years in 12 months and you're yeah, then so being really the quarter and being so, realistic and pragmatic we get lots of dreams and <laughs> it's, absolutely. it's it's actually latching these dreams onto reality isn't it absolutely got to be um, because at the end of the day they could be just behind the sky things and ultimately is that are they achievable or, or are you the right person to be achieving that goal as well so sometimes it requires a bit of inner thought and review to go mm. oh, in actual fact i need to bring the right person in i've got this great idea it's going to work and but to get it to the next level that's not me but i need to build the business first to get the right person on board so, you know, having those plans of one, three, and five years becomes really important. So, you know, your question about for a mature five-year business, and I look at this, they need to go back and revisit their values, their goals, their whys, and their what's, and then reassess who they are, who they are, who do they want to be, and where do they want to go, and then reassess those plans that they've set for one, three, five years, etc. So, you know, it comes back to that old adage, failing plan is planning to fail. We don't consciously go in to fail, but some of that might be about the way we've addressed planning and then how we've addressed execution yeah so you can you can understand as you're listening to this it starts to dig deep quite easily um and that's where you do need a bit of a guiding hand so i suppose just quickly as we run in towards the finish line here um one point that i'd like you just to touch base on very quickly because it's a common it's a common matter and it can have some various consequences uh what's your comments about when you someone's looking at bringing a family member into the business in some format or other yeah that this is this is a great con conversation and um, you said we're running into the end this is something you could run another session again but in the time we've got left it's great to have family members involved they need to be involved for the right reasons Um, because when I look at a business you can have a business where you have all family members involved who are the owners of the business and involved in the business or I could have a business where I have family members some of them are owners and some of them are not some of them are in the business some of them are not and in my business just to make this a little 
little bit more complex again. I can have owners who are not family members. So they have an interest. They're not blood or related, but they're in, they own part of the business. So I raise that. And then I have people involved in the business who aren't related, who aren't owners. You start looking at those three dynamics and you go, how do I best introduce a family member? I have to go through a plan process because I actually have to keep in mind who is it the person who's coming in? What is the role that person will have in the business? Are they an employee or not? Or are they just going to be an owner? Because introducing those people, you need to think about as if they are an arm's length person. When you go employing someone who's not related, you go through a recruitment process, employment process, you work at goals, remuneration, all those sorts of things. A family member is no different to begin with on that. Obviously, if they're vested as an owner of the business, so that concept of owner and family, they should have more skin in the game and they will want to drive the business more. So when you talk about return and remuneration, etc., sure, they should get more back out of it um, than as if they're an arm's length employee. But ultimately, you still need to create um, goals and objectives, roles and strategies around them. They need to be actively involved in decisions. They need to also, though, when they interact with other employees, they also need to keep in mind that they are our owner and an employee. So if an employee is dealt with in a particular way or they have particular duties or roles uh, and policies to follow, the family owner is the same as well. So, And then the other aspect about this becomes if they're just family involved as owners but not employees and, and managers, they need to respect what their role is as the owner because you've employed people in that business, financial controllers or bookkeepers or HR people, etc., and you've employed them because they have the skill sets to run that business properly. Now, ultimately, you shouldn't be getting in their way. You should be enabling them to do the business, run the business properly and get the outcome that you're looking to achieve. So as an owner, and then you've been introduced as an owner, you've got to understand your role there as well. So when you start talking about introducing family members, <laughs> you sort of start, and we start thinking about it, mum and dad buy the business and they bring the kids in. And that works fine because the kids need a part-time job. They go through uni, we get them involved in the business, but ultimately they start growing with the business and are they the right people for the business going forward becomes a really important question because ultimately we talk about return, we talk about costs and investment and all those sorts of things. Quite often in transferring between generations, that's when you can lose value or the value and reason you're in business changes because different generations have different views and ideas. So there's a whole process you need to go through to get it right. And it's not something, as we talked about earlier about planning, it's not something you can just do within six months. It's something no. you've got you work on continuously over a longer period of time. You know, I, I think this is, uh, we do have to wrap up shortly, but I, I think this is a topic for another conversation because it goes into quite a bit of depth. Absolutely. And, and, and as you would well know, Don, and I've observed myself, not just high profile families and organizations where, you know, somebody leaving or uh, having an accident or whatever it might be, or, you know, having an illness leaves a situation yep. which hasn't been planned for, or even yep. if it has, the plans aren't accepted at that point in time by the people who are supposed to be implemented <laughs> or implementing it. So that's something I think we might put by another conversation because that that together with exit strategies and the fact that one of my early mentors I, I remember a, a comment he drilled into me was always be ready to sell because yes. you never know when circumstances might come along it's lovely to think it's going to be somebody knocking at the door offering you a squillion but sometimes circumstances come along which um which you just need you to react to and if you're not prepared for it that's something else and, so and so, and Brian, just on that point, if you're working on your business along the way, your business is in some 
respects is it could well be ready all the time because mm. quite often that opportunity as you said is just comes along coincidentally it's opportunistic but if you've been working on various aspects of your business to run it efficiently get the right return etc etc that person coming along means you don't have to do a lot to get it sale ready so yeah. there can be things that you might have to address but if you're always working on it then you are almost always sale ready as well Don I look forward to another conversation about that whole area because there's one that's just so it's such a living embryo I suppose that can stick its head up anytime um, yep. so uh, whilst it might be dormant as, a, as an issue at this point in time who knows so um, rather than steal our thunder moving forwards I think we might wrap up there and um, we'll make a date to catch up again um, I, I look forward to that day Brian <laughs> and uh, I'll bring the chocolates and um, yes. is there anything you'd like to add just in closing briefly just to, to wrap up for our listeners probably you know again that planning piece you begin with the end in mind you know, the planning, uh, you're not planning to fail because it's fail- failing the plan. It's working on your business, um, keeping you know, your finger on those numbers um, and continuously working with people on a regular basis on your plans and reassessing them as you go along. And it comes back to a lot of those basic things. There are a lot of fundamentals that you just need to continually work on all the time. It's really important that I, when I reflect on businesses and how they run and other aspects in your life that people advise you on, be it your own health, um, your own you know, wealth, well-being, all those sorts of things. In business, there are a lot of little building blocks, a lot of little steps, a lot of little fundamentals that you just work on all the time. So that's definitely our topic coming up in the future. So just you've obviously got a profound understanding of these things across a whole panorama of uh, of matters, Don. If someone would like to have a chat to you just to ask questions or get some suggestions from you or directions, what's the best way that someone can contact you? Brian, uh, best contacts are either email or phone, uh, etc. I'm happy for you to circulate that after this to your viewers or have it uh, listed where, where appropriate. Um, as, as business advisors, we... And, and I'm one business advisor. You mentioned Findex is over 100 offices, uh, which is Australia, New Zealand. Our predominant client base is SMEs. We're in 75 locations in Australia. And you know, we're in all CBD locations. We're in a lot of regionals. So I'm in one of our CBD locations. So as I said, happy for you to share my contact details. And we are very approachable. We love coming out to visit families and businesses and meet the people who are running those businesses and get a better understanding about who they are and what they're trying to achieve. Um, what, what's your email address there then, Don, please? Yeah, yeah don.collins, C-I-L-L-I-N-S, at index, F-I-N-D-E-X.com.au. Okay, all right. I'll certainly circulate that. People can contact you there. And of course, findex.com.au, you find the website, yep. which has a whole range of things, including if you dig around there, you'll find Don as well. So, Don, just like to thank you very much for your time today. I thoroughly enjoyed digging into the depths, I suppose you could say, from the point of view of uh, business strategies and achieving growth so thanks very much again for your time appreciate the time brian thank you for inviting me along uh not at all look forward to catching up again and everybody who's been listening i hope you've enjoyed it um you'll get a copy of this recording and it's always available through uh itunes various other um, locations look forward to catching up with you again when we have our next franchise radio show